Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you guys once again for joining us. And uh, please, if you were about to turn the dial, don't. Uh, But I just wanted to thank you guys so much. All the years that you have listened to this show, you've donated to the mission. It has been a worthy cause, and it still is. And we are not backing up or backing down, but we're moving forward. I have Jonathan Yang, who I will introduce to you in a minute, who has come alongside of us. He's our newest employee and trying to help us get the message of what the mission is and what we do out to more and more people in the greater Sacramento area. And as we talked about on the show last week, the reason that we want to do these things isn't for self-ingrandizement. It's not so we can look and say who, who we are. It's because everybody that I know at the mission, including Jonathan, our newest guy, is dedicated to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I think that the mission over the years, it's it's changed, it's it's different than it was, but in each of those machinations of the mission, each stage, there was benefit and change. And we don't want to change just for change's sake, but we do want to change so that we, you know, when it says that iron sharpens iron, right, in the Bible— We know that that sharpening process needs to be continually done. You know, if you march into battle and your sword is not really sharp, you could be in trouble. So you need to do that. And how does iron sharpen iron? Those that when we get together, when we are studying the Bible, when we are talking with the chaplains, when we are discussing business decisions, uppermost in everything is how does this benefit the kingdom of God? And so if you wonder what our focus is, that's it. And so, Jonathan, uh, you we talked a little bit uh, last week about your background. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you've done before you came to the mission, what kind of work you did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done kind of a, a wide range of things. I, I, will, I probably can't capitalize it in you know, most of my kind of working Life has been in the nonprofit world, um, and so I, uh, after college, uh, well, uh, let me just say this much. I was a philosophy and political science major at the University of California, Davis. I wanted to go to law school. Um, then I just realized, I don't know if I want to pay $150,000 to, you know, be a lawyer, and, and just the legal market is not guaranteed anymore. And so I just thought, I don't know if that was a good investment. Um, but I fell in love with philosophy uh, uh, after I became a Christian. So I became Christian my freshman year in college, and I actually didn't have a lot of philosophical or theological questions before coming to Christ. But after I did, I just started <laughs> to think about all these things, like how did all these things work? And um, you know, I got into Christian apologetics and philosophy. I took a philosophy course in college, and I just loved it. And so um, I was actually on route to be a philosophy professor. Uh, so graduating from college, I, I was in the graduate program. I wanted to get a PhD in philosophy, but uh, but I got married, and my wife was still a student, and so I ended up working. Instead, I dropped out of grad school to to work full time to provide for my wife, 
And uh, and I just started working in like youth development. I was a tutor for a little bit, uh, a little bit in sort of my senior year in college. And then I kind of worked in um, some after school programs. I did some work in the Oak Park area here in Sacramento with um, with youth. And uh, I did a little bit of youth ministry too. And so I, I kind of worked in the youth development world for a couple of years. And uh, and then I started work for the Girl Scouts here in um, the heart of Central California. And so imagine me and the Girl Scouts. Like I was like one of two guys, you know, <laughs> working for that company. Mm. Um, and I would I would help with recruiting. I was helping with market research, yeah. uh, data analysis, and that's kind of where it led me on this interesting path. Um, to just kind of be in the marketing communication world. And so from there, I kind of learned web development. I learned social media marketing. I learned just sort of market research. Um, and actually, so I actually started my own business for two and a half years after that. Um, I ran a national conference for Hmong American college students. And so the premise was essentially, hey, if we get a bunch of young and brilliant Hmong college students together and we brought Hmong professionals out in the world, um, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs and influencers, and we brought them all in one room together, like what could happen, you know, and could we inspire another generation of just young Hmong leaders? And I had this premise of like, hey, if we invest in entrepreneurial minded people, um, I think that would build a lot of uh, momentum in the Hmong community. So the, you know, I called that conference the Momentum convention and so it was a pun on Hmong and momentum yes i get it. uh and so uh we we did that in fresno um we did it went up to minnesota twin cities and then we did it in sacramento so i did that for about two and a half years that's really where i built my fundraising abilities uh i i learned how to raise money from the grassroots level i learned how to take an idea and to reality i learned how to communicate the value of the idea to people so that they would want to give money to that and so that's kind of really where i learned like wow i can take an idea share its value with people, they give money to it, and I make it a reality, and I, I was addicted to that in, in, in a good sense of like, wow, I wonder what else could happen. I wonder what else I could do um, if I communicated the right story to the right people and we saw some, you know, uh, we saw ideas become reality. So that's kind of where I learned that. Uh, and then and then that brought me back into the back into nonprofit world, and, and I helped out with community action agencies, so anti-poverty, Lyndon B. Johnson, war on you know, poverty kind of uh, uh, stuff. And then and then most recently I was in the education nonprofit world um, working with education leadership development, uh, developing a pipeline for new teachers to enter into the teaching workforce. And so I was a director of communications with a company called Teach for America. Um, and then this opportunity came up and uh, I thought, oh, what an interesting opportunity. I get to kind of take all the skills that I learned in the secular world get to apply them uh, for the gospel and uh, and I thought well let's let's see where this goes and so that's that's kind of how I got to where I'm at now well <clears throat> just so you know and we may have talked about it I really don't remember but uh, just on a personal note my daughter Holly graduated from UC there you Davis. go go Aggies yeah she uh, she graduated uh, with a Bachelor of Science degree in managerial economics there you go that's a very popular major and she's now teaching wonderful. And so uh, she's getting her master's degree. Wonderful. But uh, she was out of college for a while. and I mean, not out of college, out of the workforce for a while as she had two children. Wanted to stop you and just ask, though, maybe not everybody out there knows when you say that you did Hmong development. And, right, well, right. For those folks that don't know, what does that mean? Yeah, so like who are the Hmong people? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean Hmong people are a, 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 an ethnic minority group. You can probably find most of them 
in Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, southern China. So there's a Hmong diaspora kind of spread throughout the world. Um, it's not a nationality. We don't have a country. Uh, I mean, I'll just kind of list a couple things that people may know. Uh, if people know who Sunisa Lee is, the, the women's gold medalist, uh, um, she's Hmong. Uh, if people have seen that movie Gran Torino, that's... Clint Eastwood making the movie about yeah. the Hmong people. Huh. Um, uh, and um, we, we have uh, the mayor of Oakland. The current mayor of Oakland is Hmong, Shang Tao. And so that's a pretty big, big, yeah, deal, for, a big for, deal for the Hmong people. Um, so, yeah, we are connected to the Vietnam War. Um, after America left, uh, there was a crisis among the Hmong people. We were uh, called the Secret War. We were hired by the, the CIA to do clandestine stuff that to keep America's hands clean. And so uh, we were involved in a lot of co uh, covert operations in Laos where America wasn't officially supposed to be in. And so once America left, there was this sort of crisis. And so we had ref Hmong refugees kind of spread throughout the world. And so that's where my parents came to this country. It was sort of post Vietnam War in the 70s, uh, came as refugees here to the United States. And, um, uh, and I was born here. In Fresno, California. So Hmong people, um, that's short history of us and, and American history. Well, and it is a fascinating history for sure. Yeah. Uh, I understand that without having your own country per se, there was uh, the general who was kind of the leader of the right. Hmong right. people. I, right. Is he still? No, he's uh, not alive anymore. I, I yeah. thought he had passed. Right, right. Uh, so that's a fascinating thing. I think one of the other things that uh, – people might be interested in is the Hmong people generally had what religion? Uh, the shaman. So animistic, anim animism, you know, so mm -hmm. a lot of shaman, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the shaman is like this mediator between the, the yeah. spirit world and mm -hmm. our world. So interesting, right? That they have their it own is. concept of a mediator, right? Um, obviously a false one, but, uh, but, but that is sort of the whole idea is that there's this mediator, the shaman that you would go to and it would mediate between you and the spirit world. So when you went to college, you probably didn't embrace any of those things. No, no. I mean, my, my family, we did not grow up um, practicing shaman. Um, we, we were just, you know, I would just, just say— Just the people. Yeah, refugee family sure. trying to make it in this country. You know, definitely culturally Hmong, and, um, but we were not a religious group, my family. Yeah, I guess one of the things that I always find interesting about— first-generation uh, people who are refugees from anywhere, and not yeah. necessarily in the sense of escaping a hostile environment, but people who are just immigrants from Ireland, England, Scotland, yeah. Wales, Vietnam, China, wherever the case is, they often have a greater respect for the Constitution mm -hmm. than many of the people who have been here for 200 years. Mm -hmm. Uh so I, I guess one of the questions I would ask is, in college, you were a philosophy major. Right. Tell me, when God called you, yeah. how, did you what, how was that call in your heart and in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so I, I had a very, I did not grow up in the church. I mean, my parents um, were not believers growing up. I mean, I had maybe a little bit of church you know, maybe I like went to like a youth group or something like that. And I going into college, I had a very low view of Christians. Um, I thought they were dumb and of checked course. their brains out. And I thought, how could anyone believe this stuff? And they, they must be, you know, they must be manipulated. And so I had a very, very low view of Christians. And so I think what God used in my heart, because I was a very ambitious, uh, 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 you know, self-willed, um, 
you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to be this awesome, great person. So I was a very self-centered, <laughs> vain person going into college. I was going to, you know, work hard, play hard, and just kind of, you know, people are going to know my name, right? So that was kind of my attitude going in. And so the things that I respected was I respected titles. I respected degrees. I respected competence. I respected intelligence. Like, oh, I want, you know, I want to be around the, the, those kinds of people. And so God used a, a collegiate group, a Christian collegiate group in, in, in Davis who were highly educated people, working professionals, engineers, doctors, lawyers, professors, very smart people who were Christians. And, uh, uh, they had a lot of, you know, uh, as, as most college groups have, they have a lot of free food, a lot of these fun things. And so, That's always important absolutely. in college. <laughs> so I was a freshman, and I was like, oh, there's some free food. And so I would go to these events, and um, and long story short, I'd go to these events for the food, and like, hey, I just want to meet other college students. But then I'd listen to what they were saying, and and they would art- they were articulating the gospel in a way that I had never heard the gospel articulated clearly. Uh, I'd never heard what sin really was. I never understood what I just, again, I just thought it was all those crazy things that they must believe because they don't, they're stupid, right? Yeah. But to hear the gospel articulated in an intelligent way with good reasons by smart people. And I, I really had this point of crisis where I thought, I can't believe these people believe this. And I had this moment where I thought either these people are crazy or I'm crazy. And I said, <laughs> no, we both can't be right. You know, either right. I'm right or, or, or they're wrong or they're right and I'm wrong. And uh, they lived a very different life, and and so that's really kind of where God was breaking my heart. I thought, wow, these people have everything I thought I wanted—the degrees, the titles, the the reputation in the world—but they were they were they were living so differently that I had to. The only conclusion I came was like they you know, they really believe this, and Jesus must really be real. He must have really raised from the dead because I, I can't make sense of th- this group of people. So that's that's how God really gripped my heart was just this radically countercultural group of Christians. Didn't you find, I know that I did, before I came to Christ, when I would open up the Bible, it seemed like I wasn't antagonistic towards it, but it seemed like, well, who can understand this stuff? I mean, you know, I get it, though, the stories in the Bible and all that, but, you know, you look at Paul's missionary journeys and you're going, well, I, I don't know, I don't know, that's okay for them, I guess. Yeah. And then after uh, you come to that moment in your life when you know God is calling you, the Bible starts to really make sense. Oh, absolutely. And instead of seeming like fables and something written for the masses to keep them happy, it starts to speak to your heart. Oh, absolutely. And it seems then very deep. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why a philosophy major— I think that college has the exact opposite effect many times on young people. Mm-hmm. They go in believing and come out not believing. Right. right. So kudos on going in not believing. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I came in not believing and came out believing. So I yeah. mean, you're absolutely right. I think, uh, I think, I think that's unfortunate, and I and I think that there's an onus on the church, you yes. know, for us to do a better job of of not trying to. We we might think we're protecting our youth, or we might think we're 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 you know keeping them from harm's way by maybe not exposing them to certain ideas. But I think, I think, no, I think we should, we should be um, confidently, you know, what we believe is true. And so we don't have to worry about these things. Um, and I think we should be vigorous and, and, and unapologetic about what we believe and, and share the good reasons for that. And I think introduce our youth um, to just the intellectual uh, robustness of our faith. And which is, well which is put. the reason why uh, it's, 
is true. <laughs> no, it it is true. I mean, I've heard so many times guys on megaphones or whatever standing on a street corner yelling at people to repent. Yeah. And the reality is if you're driving by and you don't know anything about uh, sin, you don't know anything about Christ's death, resurrection, the propitiation for sin, what that atonement looks like, if you don't know you're lost, Mm -hmm. you don't need a Savior. Absolutely. You first need to know what the whole thing is about. Right. And so to approach it, not from a spiritually dead but high intellectual point, (coughs) but to approach it both. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you the spiritual, and let's not talk down uh, down to people and dumb, and let's let's not shake our fingers and say, you're going to hell. Absolutely. Once Christ enters into your life, once you truly grasp the the gospel message, mm-hmm. then change comes. Yeah, And so, you know, there's a lot of things when I came to Christ I had total misconceptions yeah. about. And so I'm sure that, especially in your case, who, who said this is just crazy, right? what other answer can there be that an intelligent young person in college mm-hmm. who is, his whole philosophy is antithetical to the Bible— mm-hmm starts to see through the haze. Right, right. I mean, did it happen in the heartbeat, or did it take months? Or It, it, was, a, it was a series of months, yeah. yeah I mean, for me too. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, if we were to, if I were to pinpoint like a, you know, salvation decision, you know, where at least I said something out loud, it, well, w- it, would, be, it would have been January of 2017. So I, I would have, I'm sorry, two, January 2021, not... Uh, not that twenty. I'm sorry, eleven. I'm getting my dates mixed up. That twenty twenty one. And and ago. he's he's a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, two thousand and eleven. So about twelve years ago, yeah. um, I was a freshman in college, and so it it was a series of you know a couple months. But again, I I was so it was such an existentially crazy moment because I I, I you get you have to imagine I was coming in there because I wanted to party, I wanted to drink. Yeah. I, oh, I know. I, I would go I would go to the Bible studies on a Friday night and I would go to a frat party afterwards. I would go, yeah, hang out, get some food, you know, make some friends over there. To me it was all like I'm just making friends. Like, yeah, I'll make friends with these Christian people over here and then I'll go party at the frat house over here. And so I I was doing all that my freshman year and I and I just again the more I was taking this in, the more I was like I did I my there was um uh, uh, in my heart, I was like, I knew this was wrong. I'm like, this can't, I can't keep sure. doing this. And so it was a series of just a lot of sin, a lot of uh, you know, gospel presentations, a lot of people loving on me, and and um, yeah. So it was, it was my first year, and I'm glad he saved me then. I mean, I couldn't imagine the devastating life I would have had my college career if if I wasn't saved um, as a freshman. Me too. And uh, just so you know, I I probably told the folks this before a long time ago, but. Uh, when and to your point, I didn't have that moment, that minute that I, you know, it was a growing thing yeah. for me. But I was invited to uh, one of the, the universities down here to listen to the Maharishi Mahashogi mm. about transcendental meditation. Mm. And as a young guy, 17, 18 years old, you're searching. But you don't know you're searching, and you you wind up going to all the wrong places, right? right? And the minute I heard him speak, I started to laugh. Mm. And I was embarrassed because Mm. here's all the 
very intellectual people around me, I was embarrassed. You know, I didn't mean to, but it just, I couldn't, the harder I tried not to, the worse it happened. Yeah. And so then years later, well, a a year later or so, a friend of mine invited me to a Mormon church. Mm. And it looked good. I mean, they're nice people. They're kind. They're Mm -hmm. family-oriented. I don't begrudge them that. They're all those things. Mm -hmm. But the moment that the speaker started to speak, I looked at my friend, and all of a sudden I could feel it again. Mm. And before long, I'm laughing. I mean laughing hysterically. Mm, mm, mm. I had to leave. It was only years later that I realized that it was God keeping me from being someplace I should mm, not be. How interesting, yeah. And falling into a false belief system. Right, right. And so uh, my wife and I, I was, I was older when we really came to that saving knowledge. I was 28 and she was 26 or 7. Yeah. And uh, but to your point, I I used to really like to go to the parties and yeah. do all those things, right. and I would make these stupid uh, statements like, "Well, if God didn't want us to do it, he, you know, just things that you look back as a believer, yeah. going how ignorant I was about some of the things I said, right? But how changed my life is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know, I can't imagine if I'd been sucked into any of those things, like the transcendental meditation. Problem is that so many very intelligent people were in that. Mm -hmm. And I always liked the intelligent, articulate view of things. Right, right. And you said it earlier, that existential uh, feeling of, you know, and that by meaning in and out at the same time, you've got this, superior right. glow. Right. So we're almost out of time again. I'd like to have you back in. In oh, We got a couple of minutes. So anything you'd like to say to the folks? Yeah. I mean, uh, I- I'm excited. You know, I think, I think people please continue to watch closely to what God is doing at the Union Gospel Mission. Uh, keep us on our toes. Keep us accountable. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, stay involved with us because I really think this is an interesting moment, and I think you, Pastor Tim, who has such a a wide view of what God has been doing at the Union mm-hmm. Gospel Mission, I think you can probably attest to just, you know, there's something going on here. Right? You know, we, oh, I don't want to yeah. presume on what God's doing, but clearly I think there's some some good, you know, some good preparation, you know, and so I, I'm excited, and I, and I don't want to miss what God is doing here, and I, and I want to just implore people to, you know, uh, see what God's doing. I think God is doing something here— for our community, for our local churches, um, and ultimately for His glory. And so, uh, I'm excited. I hope people will be excited with us too. So keep keep the look keep on, keep a lookout on what God's doing here. And I agree with you 100. Uh, percent I think that you know, with everything, every change there is there's growing pains, and certainly in the mission, we've had some growing pains over the last few years, and not just in our growth, the amount of employees or whatever, but in trying to change the the mission for the better mm. deeper stronger you know we have uh, we we're out of time but we had one chaplain a few years ago and now we have four guys that are chaplains there and it's needed because our men need it mm-hmm. listen you folks out there have been so gracious and wonderful and generous to us in all these years and me personally 
through stressful times and everything. I just never want to forget to thank you guys for everything that you do for us. We couldn't do this if God wasn't directing us, and we couldn't do it if he didn't direct you to give. So Mm. God bless you all. And as always, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916 447 3268. 916 447 3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.